Sandy, host of the Life After Life podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode where I talk to Nicole Kerr about her near-death experience and how it changed her life. I have an extended interview with Nicole available on my Patreon channel. It's called Life After Life with Sandy Byrne and it's on Patreon. The link is in the description box attached. So hey, hey, hey guys and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today I have um, a guest with me and I'm so excited to talk to this lady. And I have to say that she messaged me and she said, I am your ideal guest. And I said, you are so my ideal guest. Because today I have with me Nicole Kerr. And the reason that I have Nicole Kerr on is because she had a near death experience. Okay. And we're going to let her tell her story herself. Um, it did happen a little while ago uh, when you were 19 years old and you and well, first of all, I should say, Nicole, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. I am just delighted. I'm so grateful and excited to be on your show. Oh, no, and I'm um, I'm part Irish. I have my Irish citizenship. So it's just oh, I feel really? an instant connection. <laughs> Lovely to have you. And we love to hear the accents. So um, can I ask you to tell us? about you you um I've, I've read a bit about you and i think your dad was also military and wanted one of his children to go into the military wasn't that the case that was the case so can you tell us what happened i think you were in year two of your training in the yes i was in year two and i was at a um a function where we were all together as a squadron and as we were leaving uh i got a ride back with a senior because we weren't allowed to have cars until we were juniors or seniors. So we were the last ones to leave the event. I did not know this guy very well, but he had a Corvette convertible. And you have to remember growing up, I did not have much fun. My dad's work ethic was all work, no play, very little fun, and a lot of church. So uh, he was very much a, a Marine, hardcore, uh, this is the way you will do things. I know what's right for you. I know what's best for you. You did not question my father. And so um, I didn't question him. I, ple- I was trying to please him. I'm a recovering people pleaser. But that Sunday, e- that Sunday evening, um, as we were going back, he wanted to stop at a bar and have a couple of drinks. And I was forbidden to drink alcohol by my father and forbidden to smoke and forbidden to date upperclassmen. Those were his three rules. So um, this, this senior cadet, uh, uh, he offered me two drinks and he offered me a cigarette and then we got in the Corvette to come back to the academy and we never made it back. And the uh, impetus, which I later learned, was that he made a sexual pass at me and I said no. And he turned the wheel of the car because he was so angry and we fishtailed and hit a huge boulder and his Corvette ended up like this, which you will post, I think you said, on your Absolutely. page. Absolutely. So for those people that aren't watching the video, I will post that picture in the show notes. 
um, attached because it is a huge, huge wreck. So yes, it was completely, completely totaled. I was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident. There were some bystanders that lived in a house. They heard it called 911 and went out, could not get any vitals on me. So got a blanket and covered me up. I was clinically dead for approximately 10 to 13 minutes. Uh, the EMT that finally got to the scene and I credit as one of my angels. And in the book, I talk about calling all angels, meaning angels that show up in the human form. There's ways angels show up all, all the time, but they certainly show up in human form. And I credit my EMT, my doctor and my nurse and my uh, squadron um, sponsor and my mother actually as angels, because if it wouldn't have been for any of them, I would have died again. And I had several more uh, code blue. I'm not sure what it is in Ireland when you're in hospital and your heart stops in your um, brain and uh, you go into a, what they call a code blue where they're trying to resuscitate you. Yeah, I had to Google Code Blue because I'd read that about you. And it's like an em a medical emergency. So it's where they have to call in a resource team. Yes, yes. You, you flatline. You, you basically die again and they're trying to resuscitate you. So um, I had two more of those while in the hospital. So clearly I did not want to come back from the experience on the other side. But the paramedic told me that when he got to the scene, he uncovered me with from the blanket and he could not get any vitals. So he did something. The last ditch effort was a sternal knuckle press where it's a very painful procedure they do to elicit pain in the body. And when he did that, my right pupil fluttered, my right eyelid fluttered and my right pupil dilated. And he took that as a sign of life and started working me. And if you've ever heard of the story, the, the phrase, the eyes are the window of the soul. Yes. Have you heard that? Yes. At that moment, Sandy, my soul came back into my body when he saw that. And then 19 years later, I'm driving to work in Atlanta at the Centers for Disease Control where I was now working. And I'd stopped at Starbucks, my usual routine. And all of a sudden, I remembered exactly how I was sitting in the car. And it was not the Starbucks coffee. I, <laughs> I said, if their coffee was that good, all everybody would remember traumatic events. But I could see that my the Corvette was a 65, no seat belts. I was leaned back, one leg up on the dashboard, the other one, you know, crossed over and uh, just really relaxed. So I went, but up through the windshield, which scraped up all the inside of my legs and cut my foot off. So um, don't sit like that if you're ever, you, you teenagers out there, do not put your feet out of the car and hang them out. Do not put them on the dashboard. No. That's the absolute worst position that you can put your feet Absolutely. in, in terms of a crash. So four months in the hospital, then they sent me home for eight months of rehabilitation so I could learn hopefully to walk again. And, and it was just, um, it was hard because it was not only the physical injuries, but my parents actually blamed me because I broke my father's rules. And that to me was the worst injustice of all is they thought because I didn't follow 
my dad's rules. And he even told my three other siblings, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. And you also disobeyed God. And so I absolutely was devastated, devastated beyond. I, I wish I had died instead of having to deal with my father's uh, disappointment, his anger, his um, just, and to this day, he's never forgiven me, you know. And so it fractured my I'd family. I imagine you haven't forgiven him either. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been, I've tried, you know, I really have, but he is very um, stubborn, uh, narcissistic, uh, just a toxic person, and he's a religious addict. So people tend to put everything on God and, you know, not take responsibility for their own spirituality. So we'll come to that after. So what I want to maybe delve in a little bit more, because this is where as the a spiritual podcast, we really have an interest. And I understand that, you know, you may not remember everything that happened, but I have this hunger to know what you remember, because I know that you saw the lights and you your logical mind was thinking this must be the operating theater, but it turns out it wasn't. Do you have a memory of what you saw? Now, I did read that you said that you were accompanied by an angel. So I'm hopeful that you remember some of it. Can you tell us? Yes, yes. And I do talk about it in the book. And in the book, I talk about this figure like Casper the Ghost. And the book was published in August. And I will tell you that my grandfather on my dad's side died when he was 58. And later that month, after the book came out, my grandfather came to me in spirit and said, I was the angel that came and rescued you. And so what I, was, or what I remembered was that when I flew out of the car, I was like stopped midair, okay? And I could look down and I could see my body. I could see it in the ditch and I could see that it was a corpse. And I knew as soon as I hit the ground, I was going to die. I just knew it. And so my this angel of my grandfather came down and took me to a space. It's not a place. It's a space, I think, more so than anything, where, oh, it was just brilliant. It was, it, it, it's like this white light tube is it's got all these different colors mixed in it, you know, and colors that we don't even find in the, the Crayola uh, box of yeah. colors, you know. And um, if I believe I'm right, uh, white light is actually made up of all the colors of the rainbow because it contains all the wavelengths of it, if, okay. if I have that right. And so um, that would make sense that you're just having this, like, kaleidoscope experience of color and music and it's like you're an astronaut floating in space the most relaxed that you ever could think that you could be is the way i felt and it was beyond brilliant because um it was beauty it was light it was um loving kindness all on the other side and not only I, but hundreds of thousands of other people that have experienced near-death experiences say the same thing. And the most common thing is the white light. And it's a clear light. It's not, you can see into it without getting blinded. And it is 
soothing. It's like a chrysalis. You're just wrapped in it and there's no negativity. There's no mistakes. There's no judgment. There's no, uh, it's just pure love, pure, just love, which is God. And I did not want to come back. And I remember hearing another, some other angels next to me and they weren't speaking English. And I don't know how I was able to understand them with telepathy or whatever, but I could clearly understand them. And they were saying they need to ask for help. And I was like, they need to ask for help. The humans on planet Earth need to ask us for our angelic assistance. We are not going to intervene because of free will. So unless it's an emergency, like my state was, my granddad came in and swooped me up um, before I hit the ground. And I have no memory at all, even to this day, of the pain of those injuries. It was just the pain once I woke up in the ICU and realized, oh my God, what happened to me? Um, and then the physical pain set in as a human um, being. But in spirit form, it doesn't, you don't even, you have no memory of it and you did not feel it. So their conversation was very important in terms of a message that I'm supposed to um, help people with is please develop a relationship with your angels. We all have at least one guardian angel. Most of us have two. And some of us have other angels as well that surround us. They all have different functions. But it's important to start getting to know that spiritual realm because 80% of us is spiritual and 20% is human. And the part that moves on that does not die is the soul. It's the spiritual. So it would make sense to start um, investigating and start uh understanding and start trying to develop that type of relationship uh, with the spiritual beings. There's guides, there's angels, um, light beings. So they want to help us. They so want to help us, but we have to ask for help. And we, at least in America, think that we need to do everything on our own. We take pride in that, you know, I don't need any help. But I think do. that's the world over as well. And like that's, you know, that's really important. And there's two important things there. I mean, very important from the perspective of your experience, but also for us as communicators on this earth is that, you know, you didn't know this was your granddad that met you, right. that, that took you, yet you felt it was a male energy. It's a yes. feeling and that's how mediumship yes. works. And the yes. fact that the angels, they weren't speaking an earthly language, yet you knew what they were saying. So yes. it's all about just allowing yourself to feel, isn't it? You know? Yes. Although I know your experience was much more intense. So the message seems to have been, I think this is really, really important, um, that we need to ask for their help because we do have free will. So we can't yes. expect them to just swoop down. You know, I mean, in your instance, it was a life or death situation. They had to right. be there, but they needed to get this message. So they wanted you to be their communicator. We need to ask them for help. They're not just going to interfere in every little thing we do, you know? Right. And to not wait for a crisis, to have this ongoing relationship and start understanding, you know, like I know my guardian 
angel's name is Serafina, you know, but I've, I've had to work it. It's like a relationship. You have to develop time. And I, I speak with them in meditation and I ask them for help, you know, and it, and you will get an answer. And then the second message that I got was I was told to tell people not to be afraid of death. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a big topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Considering, considering we're all going to die, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> so I realized at that moment I was going to go back into that body. And I was like, oh, no, I do not want to go back because... She yeah. down there is all messed up physically and she's going to have to go back and live with her parents because I went back into an infantile state. And so I've got to go back into living with them and going to church. And I could not let that experience on the other side bloom for me. They have no space or bandwidth to hold what I experienced or support me with it. And I needed support. So... 20 years later, now I'm like 40 years into it, I have finally published my book. I finally have understood what that message means. And there's 10 common lessons from near-death experiencers that come from research published mm -hmm. by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And they're all positive sandy and that's what i want to help people with is to change the worldview, the vibration and the cultural misunderstanding around death and in order to do this we have to start addressing the difficulties getting there which are our fears and they're unconscious for the most part but if you grew up and you were imprinted with Roman Catholic, uh, Lutheran, any of these Protestant where you had a dual God, then you got the impression and you got the message. If you weren't a good person and you did things wrong, you were going to hell and you would be separated eternally from your family and God. Mm -hmm. So that instills fear at a very young age in a child. And unless they let go and uh, what do I want to say? get rid of these false belief systems, they're going to die with that in the back of their head because they're not gonna be sure of what is awaiting them. But the first one of these messages is we do not die. You know, our energy body opens up when we die, our soul lifts out and off it goes. And that is what lives on. And you can look at a person who has passed in their casket and they, I, even though the cosmetologists try to make them look like they looked before, they don't look the same. No, they, they don't get their hair right. They don't get their, you know, and it's because their life force energy is not in them anymore. That has gone out of them. And they truly are just this physical corpse, which will decay. And the second one is love is all that matters and is the source of all that exists. So if you think about the source being all that exists, that's God, that is love. And love is, try to think of it as an energy, not only just an emotion, not just a noun or a verb, but an energy. And when someone gives off a loving energy, wow, does that feel powerful and good. 
and kind of like you just want to wrap yourself in it. So you need to learn to do that for yourself. And one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to quit judging yourself. And we are usually the hardest on ourselves. So take out that word should. Don't should yourself or should others, you know. But, you know, in terms in terms of judgment, I will tell you on the other side, God was all around me. God was in me. I was God. God was present and fullness and oneness. But most of all, God was love. Pure, non-judgmental love. And in that state, it was that I suddenly had, you know, it was not that I suddenly had been forgiven for my mistakes. It's just that they no longer existed. Nothing I had done on earth was being weighed and measured. It was simply the way my story had played out in this one realm on earth. So we are not going to be judged. Okay, so you don't think that anything that we do here matters. That's what what, what came Yeah, no, it does all matter. And that's the end when you do a uh, life review. We learn how yes. everything we said, we did, and thought during our physical life impacted not only ourselves, but others and the world. I get what you're saying now, of course. It's, yes, your impact, but they don't judge you. It's up to you. To, to see to, yes. to see whether or not you've hit the goalposts, and if and if you're judging yourself, how can you love yourself? I get you. That's powerful. If you're, yes, and if you're blaming yourself, like I was blaming myself, how can I truly love myself if I'm thinking I did something horribly wrong that my parents can't forgive me? So if my parents can't forgive me, then God can't forgive me. I can't forgive myself. You know that is been carrying around uh that's actually me turning my anger inward yeah i was angry at myself that i made such a decision and it turned out the way it was and then unfortunately i had parents the only way they could reconcile it was to blame me and then even when my roommate 38 years later said it was her fault my dad didn't care he said you still made a bad decision you should have walked home and that was the end of our relationship. I just said, I, I, I'm not going to be judged, criticized, blamed anymore by you. I've done it. I'm, you know, forget the honor of thy father and thy mother. I have lived up to that. And it's time for me to separate and move on because that judgmental criticalness can't do anything right. You keep trying that people pleasing at the end of the day, Sandy, you feel like a, a roach that just got squashed. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. And, you know, you said, um, and I've read this about you, that, you know, when you were going through this um, process, I guess, with your chiropractor and he was helping you bring out the repressed memories, you said that you had blocked out all of this experience because of your lack of support at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a huge thing because you needed support in order to get better. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think that's another reason everyone has some trauma in their life. And it's so important. I can't stress enough about emotional healing. But you have to heal these trauma wounds. And if your parents don't heal theirs, 
they have no compassion, no empathy, no sympathy for the trauma wounds that you endure. So you're supposed to just get over it like they got over it. And the truth is that is wrong. You know, my mother told the doctor when he said Nicole needs mental health help, well, God and Jesus are our psychologist and psychiatrist. Well, guess what? Jesus never showed up on my sofa to help me when I called him or God. And so I developed an eating disorder because that's the only way I need to do to, knew how to deal with my pain. So your body will find a way to adversely cope with the trauma if you don't get the help you need to sort it all out. I talk about trauma in the book and I really condense it, but we have to heal our trauma wounds in order to move up the vibrational scale and be in alignment and not just think our way through feelings. Because a lot of us get cut off here. We intellectualize the emotion instead of embodying the emotion. We are not taught how to do that, you know? And so that's really important in the healing cycle. And, and we are really in a deep healing phase right now. Stuff is coming up for people like popcorn, uh, whether it's a health crisis or relationship crisis, and they're having to really dig deep to start understanding and awakening why whatever is happening to them, what is the message and the lesson behind it. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, they've just done what their parents have done before them. And it's been this generational, uh, yeah, I go to church, but I really don't believe that because I don't really believe in a God that doesn't, uh, like you pray to it, but it never gives you any kind of evidence that it's listening or why does it let bad things happen? And if you remember the book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People, um, it said it was all because of free will. But my book has actually been called a sequel to that. And it helps you understand that you have a choice and it's not God doing something to you because God is benevolent. And I mean, it's, it's an energy, you know, and we are everything and everyone is connected. We are all connected and we need to get that lesson because we are, especially in the U.S., we are uh, polarized. We are so, you know, hating this group because of their color or because of this or because of that. And it's, it's instead of seeing that we're all in our core, these beautiful soul lights that eventually all merge together, you know, we're all one. And we need to learn to respect one another, all sentient beings, and Mother Earth. And that is a message all of us need to get on track with, is how can we be, you know, uh, of service to ourselves, to others, to, to doggies and cats and every other animal, and of course to Mother Earth. And, you know, it starts with loving yourself. And these people that are acting out, especially in the U.S. with these mass murders and all of this, is only instilling more fear in people. And fear is a low vibration. And fear keeps you from having clarity because you're back here in your amygdala, in your fight, flight, and fear. 
and your your prefrontal cortex can't make that executive reasoning. So if you're making decisions out of the back of this terrified part of you, they're not going to be the healthiest decisions for you because you're repeating something from the past. Absolutely. I mean, that's so deep. I think people will need to listen to that twice, but we don't always acknowledge what we've been through in order to get here. And we're, what we've been through is a sum total of what our parents have been through and our grandparents and their parents and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's like um, a rolling stone gathering the moss as it's going. And at some point, you're going to reach a point where this needs to be dealt with and the cycle right. needs to be broken, you know, and that's where um, where, where you're coming from. Um, and so just talk about life. I just want to talk about life now, okay, because... I know that the book was a healing process. And if I'm I'm correct, I believe that even when you started writing down your experience, you didn't necessarily intend to publish it, but it was more like a healing process, wasn't it? Yes, it took me 13 years to get this book published. Wow. Um, that's a long time, you know, but I really am proud of the end product because it's authentic. It comes from my heart. I did not write it. For my family, I wrote it. It was my journey, and I really want people, I truly do want to help you with your fears about death. I want to support you through the loss of loved ones because we still are human and we are going to have feelings of um, grief and uh, pain and loss. And, you know, we have to carefully and compassionately hold and heal a person that's going through that but we have to look at the bigger cosmic content uh, uh that's benevolent and extraordinary and where we're going and knowing that really helps us live a happier life now and can prepare for our own graceful and peaceful passing and to support others as they approach theirs and we need to start talking openly about death about how wonderful it is and not the fears of it and especially starting with little children so they don't need to fear this that it is something that's going to happen to all of us we do not know when but Clearly, it's not something for um, blue-haired people in the nursing homes, you know. It can happen at seven, you know. I go back yeah. to the Sandy Hook massacre. You know, those kids going to school that day didn't know they were not going to come home. I didn't think as a 19-year-old that I wouldn't, my life would forever change. So, sure. you know, no one's guaranteed tomorrow. And that's something that you have to start preparing for now, not only in the physical with wills and, you know, advanced directives right. and those kind of things, but your concept of God, what is that? Because your concept of your beliefs about God shape your relationship with death. I agree. I, I totally, totally agree. And, you know, I loved um, that you said uh, when somebody asked you to describe death and you described it in two words as beautiful and peaceful. Mm -hmm. Just two words. And I think that summed up everything because, you know, we can talk forever and we can talk some more, but we can talk about everything that feeds into how we got to a particular point. But when we come out the other side, there's beauty and there's peace, 
You know, so we're not taking all of this trauma. We can review it. We can see how it affected us and the aftermath of it, but we'll never take it with us. So that's right. And from there comes the point. Why are we holding on to it here if we're not going to bring it with us afterwards? You know, and if that's a very good question. Mm, yeah. You know. And that's why there's there's so many men, modalities that are coming yeah. up now for people in terms of he- healing PTSD and trauma that are non-invasive, that, you know, medications have improved. They now know so much more about these conditions to help. Um, and I just want to say one last thing about my book. Uh, I hope it inspires people like you and others to live fully and freely with your heart and your hands as wide open as you can, because expansion is what we're here for, to love ourselves and one another. And I hope that that is what comes across in the book. And I, I'm just so grateful that I've gotten to this point. And I just, before I got on this podcast, completed the audible version of it. And you want to talk about a trigger is to read your, narrate your own book and then have to listen to it yourself in your own voice, tell your story. I had a migraine the past eight days. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to be here, Sandy, because it just was so shocking for me to even hear my own voice tell me what I've been through, you know? Oh, I can't. I hate the sound. But look where I am now. I hate editing podcasts because I have to listen to myself. Let me just say to people, because just in case, because we're talking about your book and I didn't give the title. So it's called You Are Deathless. And the subtitle is is how um, a near-death experience taught me how to fully live and not fear death. Like You got it. The title is just powerful. I believe. Okay. So I will put a link to Nicole's book to, um, we can probably buy it on Amazon, I guess, um, for the UK. Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure do we have Baron. I don't, we know, I know we don't have Barnes and Noble in Ireland. Not that I'm aware of anyway, but, um, I'll find it um, somewhere for Irish and UK, um, purchasers. And I'll put some links in the description box attached here for them. Um, because I'm definitely going to be sitting down and having a read because this whole near death experience thing, it just, fascinates me no end okay nicole i can't thank you enough for your time i have enjoyed this and i could keep you hours asking you so many different questions because i have a million questions about this and you know perhaps if people have questions i'm going to encourage them to send them in to me and you know and i i might even invite nicole back on in the future to answer some of those you know Um, yes because this is such an important topic and you know we don't know we're relying on spirit to come back and tell us but you went there and you came back and we're glad to have you here to give us these messages thank you and um let's all make it a point to ask our angels both to ask and to thank afterwards okay um because that's what they are asking us to do through nicole yes Nicole, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And any questions that you have for Nicole, send them to me. I'll gather them all together and we'll get her back to answer them. Nicole, uh, it's been a blast. Thank you. And um, take care of this yourself. This was delightful. Future. You absolutely made my day and my week. So oh, thank yeah, you cheers so much. to you over in my 
my second <laughs> my second home, Ireland. So I love you guys over there. Nicole, yeah. it's been a pleasure to meet you and we'll bye, talk sweetie. again soon. Take care, pet. Bye bye bye. Okay. Hey, this is Sandy. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Nicole's experience. Check out my Patreon page, Life After Life with Sandy Byrne, for the extended interview. The link to my Patreon is in the description box attached. And here's a taster of some of what we discussed. Um, I may have read this. That's, you know, this was a message again from the angels, I believe, when you were, you know, having your experience that so many people are afraid of death that they are afraid to live. That's right. And I can 100%, you know, um, relate to that because I'm not afraid to die, okay? I'm a medium. I've connected with a lot of people from the other side. I don't have any fear of going over there, but I have a fear of how I will die. It's, it's really important to understand that death is just a transition to another world. It's like John Lennon said, I'm just getting out of one car and going into another car. And our souls have this long trajectory. This is not our first rodeo here, you know. We're here to learn lessons and for our souls to evolve. And if you're discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit.